Canadian project. It gives them experience. So clubs and societies are we're taking uh, registrations now. We'll be broadcasting the specific clubs and societies we have, but please stay tuned on that. Um, so we're almost done. We're going to get down to the last segment, but I just wanted to mention that. Uh, actually, there's last two segments for today. So we'll try to release these uh, episodes regularly. You can watch them, get encouragement, and I hope you're encouraging watching this. So let's do a quick recap. We have five C's that inspire us at Life STEM Academy. Uh, Christ Exalted. Uh, we have character development. We have um, content. Uh, well, content mastered is the last one. We're going to get to that in a second. Christ exalted, character development, um, uh, 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 community built, which leads to culture transformed. Uh, and then we have co career preparation. We want every student at Lifestem Academy to have direction in their careers. I have a medical brochure I already made. For example, if I have a seventh grader who wants to be a doctor, I have a brochure for them to look at, to give them an idea of, here's a pathway to be a doctor. Now, I don't want them to get overwhelmed, take it one step at a time, but I do want them to see the scope of what, what does it take to be a doctor and how can I start preparing at a young age? Well, at Lifestem Academy, we have a book on the history of medicine. They can read the history of medicine. That's one way to prepare. So uh, they can do that. They could prepare that way. And so we have, uh, you know, the career preparation is a big part of our school. And then lastly, the last C at Lifestem Academy. I'm going to spend a few minutes on this one. The last C of Lifestem Academy is content mastered. This is 2023. There are so many opportunities. There's so many opportunities in society to help children to flourish but I am shocked by how, by how students sometimes think, you know, this is my textbook. I don't understand how to do the problems. And that's, I'm just going to keep using my textbook that I don't understand. When there's a ton of textbooks that teach people how to learn. Why wouldn't we encourage young people to learn how to do research, to learn how to use the internet, to get the answers in terms of, and I'm not talking about getting the answers to just write the answers and, and cheat on their homework. No, what I'm saying is, if you don't understand it from one textbook, have you looked, have you gone to the library, right? Many young people probably think, what are you talking about, library? That, is, that, is that a place to study? Yes, it is a place to study. It's funny how many young people have phones, but they don't use it to call people. They only text. They forget that phones can actually call. They, they work for calling. Uh, I remember even about six years ago, I would have young people that would go to our tutoring center and maybe um, we're trying to call them to find out, you know, what time are you going to be there? Or are you at the center or whatever? And sometimes these students will not answer, but you text and they would answer, right, to the tutoring center. It's like, you can pick up your phone, young people. Please pick up your phone, encourage people, call people, use it to call. Anyways, back to the library. Go to the libraries. That's what I would encourage our young people to do. Go find other resources that help you to master the content. In the real world, if you don't know how to solve a problem as an engineer, do you just say, hey, I don't know how to solve the problem. I'm stuck. I'm done. No, what about grit? What about perseverance? What about applying yourself to do more than the bare minimum? This idea of the bare minimum really just saddens me. This idea of not applying yourself to excellence. And part of that problem comes from the fact that we're so wealthy as a nation. We've gotten so much, right? And in Deuteronomy, in the Bible, it says, when you have eaten and are full, do not forget God. Unfortunately, in America, many have eaten and are full and have forgotten how to think. We need to use the wealth and abundance we have to enrich us, to, en to be a blessing to others. What I mean by enrich us is to get us to use our minds better. If I have a washing machine, that means I don't have to wash by hand. Instead, I can use the, the, the time to, to have the washing machine wash my clothes. Guess what I can do with my free time now? Read a good book. Encourage someone. Call someone. Go serve your community. 
that is another aspect we really need to grow in as a school by God's grace. If there are service projects that you have in, in Fargo, Moorhead or Grand Forks, let us know. I want our students to be diligent in serving. That is one of the reasons why we actually have minimum, minimal homework. One reason we have minimal homework at Lifestem Academy is because we get our students working hard and effectively and efficiently from 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock. And when they leave our school, we literally want them to serve their communities, to serve their families, to serve their friends, to be a blessing to others. And and then we'll see them again the next day and we'll work hard. And if they're homeschooled, they just do their work the next day. We don't need people to be going to school from nine to three and doing homework for four hours after that. And on top of that, a lot of those people go to college and sometimes repeat those courses. The system is too inefficient. And I'm sorry I went on a tangent, but I say that to say our homework policy is zero homework, minimal homework, inspire the students so that when they go home, they have the desire to read more if they want to read, to do more math if they want to, but we use our time wisely. There's actually a book by Anders Ericsson called Peak. And in that book, he showed how deliberate practice can reduce the amount of time we need to teach certain courses. We can teach content and courses in less amount of time if we're effective and efficient using deliberate practice, showing students how to find their weaknesses and strengthen those spots and then improve. That is one way to improve performance with students. Okay. So basically, we are trying to revolutionize education by integrating an element of character development and service built in. So when we talk about content mastered, we want our students to know how to study, not just what to study. We want, we want them to know how to study, how to go find the answers. This issue of initiative is very important. There's a lot of young people that are not taking initiative. So we need to teach initiative and we need to reward initiative. Just like you reward a person getting an A on a math test, we need to reward people that take initiative. That is very important. Okay, so where do we go from here? We have the five C's, Christ exalted, uh, character development, community built, which leads to culture transformed, career preparation, and content mastered. If we do those things, we will begin to see students that flourish in life. Well, we'll do those, and I'll end with these two in our last two segments. Uh, as far as maybe we'll have this segment we call the news segment. Okay, news segment, and then I want to end with one of my dreams in education. We've already done a part of this dream, and I will tell you a little more about it in a second, but let me just talk about news. Stephen Meyer was in the news, well, in, in a podcast, uh, a news update. He was in a podcast episode with Joe Rogan, and I, th I, I he did a great job. He went through a lot of things with Joe Rogan, some things that he probably wasn't expecting to be asked about. Uh, some things at the end were weird. I, I didn't necessarily, uh, the, the whole thing about aliens and uh, some other stuff, I, I highly discourage. Now, Stephen Meyer would agree with me on this. We discourage any idea of people trying drugs, which was brought up at the end of the podcast. Uh, please stay away from drugs um, or, or, or psychedelics and so on. Please stay away from them. Um, seek to dive into the Word of God. Seek to grow in mentor, get a mentor and be encouraged in life. Do not go to drugs. That came up in the conversation at the end. But Stephen Meyer did a great job. I think it was a good win for intelligent design to be in the news, to be out there. Um, my background, I am a medical physicist. That's my master's degree. I have, a I have a master's degree in medical physics and a master's degree in medical health physics. So I have to master's degrees. My bachelor's is in chemistry, and then I also have a minor in philosophy. Philosophy of science is the field that I, I, I've sort of, you know, focused on, read a lot in the philosophy of science. 
Um, Stephen Meyer has a PhD from Cambridge University in the history and philosophy of science. He's written some very good books, Signature in the Cell, Darwin's Doubt, and The Return of the God Hypothesis. We'll do a dissection of The Return of the God Hypothesis. I believe that every scientist should learn the history and philosophy of science. That should be a requirement for every scientist. That will help them be well-rounded, well-grounded, and know how to think clearly about the limits of science, which is one thing that many scientists do not know, which is sad. So I think that it's a very important field. Stephen Meyer did a great job in that. I've done, uh, just, I just did one year of PhD work in chemistry. That's as far as I did in my education. But part of my dream or goal of getting a PhD in chemistry is so that I can start a college, which by God's grace is called Faraday Maxwell Institute of Technology. So the Faraday Maxwell Institute of Technology is a college that will come out of our K-12 program because what we've done is we've actually condensed K-12 to K-10. So our 11th and 12th graders are really all college students, just like they do PSEO in Minnesota is a post-secondary education opportunity. We want our 11th and 12th graders at Life STEM to be college students, taking college courses in physics, math, chemistry, economics, business, and so on and so forth. So in order to give our 11th and 12th graders college credit, we need a college accredited program, and that's the Faraday Maxwell Institute of Technology, which I'm going to talk about as I wrap up. But Stephen Meyer, um, that interview was very good. You can find other talks he's done with Eric Metaxas, the author of, uh, of Seven Men. Uh, Stephen Meyer was interviewed by Eric Metaxas. G great job there as well. I love Stephen Meyer. I love his humility. I have met Stephen Meyer, and I've enjoyed, I enjoyed my time just sitting down, having lunch with him uh, about uh, 13 years ago. So uh, I want to encourage you to read The Return of the God Hypothesis, to explore and discuss these topics that have to do with life, the origin of life, and so on. Let me say this, because I know some people are very, you know, some people are against the whole intelligent design idea and so on and so forth. We're going to have an episode on that, I promise. We're going to talk a lot more on this topic. But please know this, that there needs to be discourse. There needs to be discussion about the problems with evolution, with neo-Darwinian evolution, with, with evolution. There needs to be discussion about the weaknesses about evolution. Um, I am not an evolutionist. I'm a creationist. I believe the Bible. I believe that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And there's evidence for creation on many levels. And we can talk about that later. But you cannot look at DNA and say that evolution is the best explanation for DNA. Design is a better explanation. And, and I want to encourage you to make sure that you understand what they talk about when they talk about intelligent design. Casey Luskin did an interview with Andrew Clavin where he talks a lot about intelligent design as well. Intelligent design is showing that the best explanation from all the competing, uh, sort of the, 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 the things competing out there, the best explanation is design. And it is okay to say that because DNA is like code. And if it's like code, how can you say that a process that generally does not improve the conditions over time? So in evolution, if, if it's not guided, if it's an unguided process, how can it generate code that generates thinking that you then trust? How can you trust your thinking if it came from an unguided process? There needs to be a mind behind our minds, ultimately. So anyway, sorry, I got all riled up there. But intelligent design and, and evolution and so on is a topic I've studied in, in depth. I've, I've, I've studied, uh, you know, a book called Evolution on the history of evolution. I've, I've read Philip Kitcher's book called Living with Darwin. I've read uh, Stephen Meyer's work. I've read Darwin on Trial. There's a lot to discuss there, and we can honestly have a class on just that. So why don't we do that? If you're interested in that topic, but please be courteous, in your, be courteous and, and, and respectful of people that might disagree with you. And 
And please know that this is not a topic I just found yesterday. I've been studying this for about 15 years, and I love it. It's important because ultimately, uh, the question of the origin of the universe, the question of the origin of information, all of those are very important questions. But science ultimately cannot answer some of those questions, and that's where you move into the realm of philosophy, and hence why scientists need to know philosophy. Every scientist should know philosophy, and at Lifestem Academy, every one of our students will learn the history and philosophy of science. Okay, let's land this plane. This has gone for a while. Why is our college, why is our upper course work, right? Because we teach calculus here. We teach calculus too through our online program. We teach, we teach advanced material with some of our tutors based in other states. Why do we call it Faraday Maxwell Institute of Technology? I'm going to end with this story. So when I, when I was studying Lifestem Academy last year, I, I had this vision to go to Germany. And the reason why we wanted to go to Germany is because we wanted to study the three factors that influence the scientific revolution. What are these three factors? The first one was the printing press, which came about 1450 in Mainz, Germany, uh, or Mainz, Germany. Um, in, in Germany, we have this printing press that came, Johannes Gutenberg. So we get the printing press coming in about 1450. Now, remember, we've come through a season of, uh, you know, if you talk about world history, we have the Greeks, about three, 400 uh, 500 BC uh, down to about, let's say, uh, 200 BC. We have some work from Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. And then we have the, the coming of Christ, his death and resurrection. We have that happen. And then we have the Roman Empire. We have all that work happening there. We have the 500, 600, 700. We have the Islamic Empire come. And then we go into the Middle Ages. We have Oxford University starting about 11 to 1200, 1200 AD. We, we're going along and about 1450, about 1400s, we get the printing press. Boom. So we have the printing press here. That's 1450. In about 1517, in Germany also, we have this man called Martin Luther, right? And we talk about the 95 Theses. And you talk about the Reformation. We have the Reformation now, about 15, early 1500s. And then we have this man called Nicholas Copernicus, who now is saying and, 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 and showing the work that the sun is the center of the solar system and not the earth. And, and so we have the Copernican Revolution happening. So that's happening around 1550, when his book comes out. But his work is done before that. In about 1500, we get, of course, the printing press had already come. We get the Reformation and we get Copernicus. Copernicus, after Copernicus, we get a man named Galilei Galileo and he comes along and we're going to actually talk a little bit about Galileo in another video. But Galileo comes along and he gives us more work in this field. He gives us a telescope. He does some great work. So Galileo comes and we have amazing work from him. He dies in 1642, which is the year that Isaac Newton is born. Isaac Newton, by certain calendars, there's different calendar systems out there. Um, we don't really care so much about talking about these calendar systems for other people. But when it comes to Isaac Newton, we talk about, oh, based on this calendar, he was born in 1643. Based on this other calendar, he was born in 1642. Shows how important the guy is, right? We care about figuring out his birth by different calendar systems. In 1642, on Christmas Day, Isaac Newton is born. I believe he's a gift to the world. Some people might differ. Some people might be angry that he was born because they don't like calculus. Calculus is beautiful, but that's another day's topic. So our math program, Inspirational Mathematics, which you can order, is available, and you can order Inspirational Mathematics, and it has the work of uh, Isaac Newton. I mean, sorry, it has the work of preparing you for calculus. It's a three-volume course. Volume one is pre-algebra. Volume two is algebra one and algebra two. Volume three is geometry and pre-calc. In nine years of work, I've, con I've condensed the nine years of work into three years to get people to calculus faster so they can experience the beauty of calculus. So Isaac Newton comes along, and he basically uh, takes the work that has come before him, and he establishes that more. People 
people like Johannes Kepler had already come. Uh, Galileo, as I said, was there already, Copernicus. So we go from 1450 printing press, about 1450, we get the Reformation and we get um, uh, Galileo, Copernicus, we get the Copernican Revolution. Of course, there's some exploration that is already beginning to happen. And guess what? Here's what's interesting. In four, in, in, after the 1600s now, we, we call it, around this time, we say the scientific revolution is happening, right? Well, what caused the scientific revolution? I believe part of it goes back to the work of some of these people I described, the printing press, the Reformation, and the work of Copernicus and Galileo. That is part of what gave us the scientific revolution. But it's very interesting because a lot of that goes back to Germany. A lot of that also goes back to the Bible, honestly, because the printing press, the first book is printed is the Bible. And if you think about it, in the Bible, it talks about certain things that if you do not know the Bible said those things, you probably wouldn't even go out to explore those things. And so I wanted to take my students to Germany to explore the path from the printing press to the, the Reformation. Where did that happen? And just explore the country of Germany. However, we just thought it would be best to take a step back. This was a, there was some tension going on in Europe at that time. Uh, just with, with what was going on in Russia, Ukraine. And so we waited on that, and we instead we went to England. And so we went to Oxford and Cambridge, which are so, you know some of the oldest universities in the world. We also went to Edinburgh, Scotland, which you can see right here. And in Edinburgh, Scotland, there's a man by the name of James Clerk Maxwell. James Clerk Maxwell is the greatest mathematical physicist, I would argue, in the 1800s. When you look at a lot of work that was done in the 1800s, we talk about the Maxwell-Boltzmann distribution, Maxwell-Boltzmann statistics. We talk about you know all these things about who, who told us that light was electromagnetic radiation, James Clerk Maxwell. Now, who was James Clerk Maxwell? We're going to have a whole episode about him. What I will tell you, first of all, is I do have one of his books here. Um, James Clerk Maxwell wrote the book called A Dynamical Theory of the Electromagnetic Field. And some of his work goes to the work of another man called Michael Faraday, who only had an eighth grade education, essentially. And Michael Faraday did an excellent job of applying himself to diligence. Why don't we talk more about Faraday and Maxwell in, in one of our episodes coming out soon? And please make sure you subscribe so you see more of these episodes. We're going to have this episode episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and also on YouTube. But James Clark Maxwell and Michael Faraday built a wonderful relationship. We're actually going to be making a play at Lifestem Academy that goes over their lives and the work they did, which was amazing. One of the best relationships you can have of two scientists. And so James Clark Maxwell comes along and he revolutionizes things. He does some great mathematics. He's publishing papers at 15, which we're going to encourage our students to do as well. Uh, because back then, nobody really cared what a teenager was. Well, granted, actually, they, they, they used to tease Maxwell that he was weird, but I love Maxwell. He was a wonderful man. He was humble. He was very inspirational in many ways. He applied himself to excellence. He went to Cambridge University. He started the Cavendish Laboratory. He helped start the physics, physics program there. He went back to Scotland to, you know, because his dad wasn't doing well and just that's where he was from. He stayed there. And so when we went to uh, Europe with our students, we visited James Clerk Maxwell's uh, place. He was born in, in Edinburgh. We went to his home where he was born. We saw some of the works. Amazing stuff. You're going to be seeing some videos or well, you're going to be seeing some uh, uh, details about that. You can go on their website. So go on their website, uh, James Clerk Maxwell uh, Foundation in Scotland, and you'll see the details. Um, he's a wonderful man to know. And that is part of why we name our college the Faraday Maxwell Institute of Technology, because we want to raise humble scientists who study philosophy and apply themselves to excellence, and we want to guide them along the way. But even though it's called the Faraday Maxwell Institute of Technology, we also have economics, we have business, we have marketing, we have management. We have a lot of those things built in to um, our education uh, at, at Faraday Maxwell Institute of Technology. So in conclusion, where do we land this plane? 
We're going to be doing regular podcasts. I'm going to have opportunities for parents to send in questions and send in, um, you, know, you know, what are the things you need help with? What are the questions you have about math education or education in general? Do you want to learn more about education in Nigeria and how we have a higher standard in the K-12 space and how we inspire our students? Well, actually, they don't really inspire. They make you just work hard, period. But here at Lifestyle Academy, we're going to inspire our students to, to seek after excellence in no matter what they want to do with their lives. And so I hope this was an encouraging episode to get you going and, uh, you know, in, in seeking excellence in education, which is what this is about. Um, this podcast, Excellence in Education, will be housed on Spotify and also on my Living Sensibly YouTube page. So please go to YouTube and subscribe if you don't mind. And please, if you want to support any of the work that we're doing in education, feel free to reach out. You can support us uh, online. You can send a check to PO Box 24, Horace, North Dakota, to support scholarships and different things. Um, we're going to, next year, we're going to Germany, God willing, Germany, Switzerland, and hopefully sneak into Austria for a second uh, and to, to, to learn some things there as well. Uh, Vienna is, is one of the spots we would love to visit. But that was a lot to chew on. Thank you for watching this and uh, giving me a chance to launch this episode with you. This is our first episode in the Excellence in Education podcast. I hope you have been blessed. Take care and God bless you as you seek to flourish and bless others. Have a wonderful week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.